Thanks, Katie. I feel like I should have just written myself a little sign saying, I don't have COVID, I've done an LFT. But um, yeah, so I'm sorry for croakiness this morning. Um, but I believe God's got some really exciting stuff to speak to us about. Um, so this weekend we have been looking at generosity as part of our staycation. We've been hearing from God's word. And as Graham's already mentioned this morning, if you've been around us a little while, you've probably noticed we don't take up a Sunday offering um, on a regular basis. We don't want any of those visiting us to feel discomfort or perhaps for those that are just checking out Jesus for the first time to be put off. But in fact, we don't really talk that much about money either. And maybe that's partly out of some of the world's view that the church is just always asking for your money. (laughs) And they don't hear our value of wanting to be a spirit-filled people who overflow with generosity. Or if they do, perhaps they just don't buy it. Surely there's an ulterior motive. You don't get anything for free. And I want to start this morning by saying maybe that view of the church comes from the world's view of God being wrong too. And that's the bigger problem, because the world's view of God is that God takes. He's about restricting us, and he's about taking our freedom. But I want to start this morning by just correcting that lie, that God is generous. John 3, 16, probably one of the most famous bits of scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his uh, his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God loves abundantly. God is an abundant, lavish giver. He gives. It's who he is. It's what he does. And this is the God that is for you. And he wants to offer you real freedom. And this God who talks about wanting to offer you freedom and his love for you also talks a lot about money. If you start looking, it's everywhere in our resources. And I think that's because God knows that money really easily binds our hearts and it can suffocate us and it can restrict us. And that's true, whether you have lots of it, and it's a distraction, and it lends itself to you relying on yourself and making it all about you and about your ability to provide. Or if you hardly have any money, and it's a source of anxiety for you, and it makes it all about you and your ability to provide. He knows that your attitude towards money has the potential to free you or to bind you, to do a measurable good for the kingdom, or to keep you imprisoned. And he didn't just speak about money back in history. He didn't go, oh, you know, that's made the book. (laughs) It's in the Bible. We're done with that. No, we believe that God speaks today. We believe that he speaks by his Holy Spirit, and he's got a lot to say about it. So Galatians 5.1 says, Scripture tells us here, that it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. And John 8, verse 32 tells us, then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And we're holding that in the frame of what we look at this morning, that God desires our freedom. He wants us to be free. He wants good stuff for us. 
He wants it to overflow from us out into our communities as we overflow with generosity. Because as one dearly loved by your generous creator, one that's been made in his image, you're really image-bearing when you're a generous people with the stuff that he's given you. Because you look so much more like the generous God that we serve. People get to see that family resemblance. And all of this means that God is really interested in what we do with our stuff. So despite the fact that when we talk about money, it uh, can induce fear and anxiety or awkwardness or shame, we're going to go there this morning because God's got something really important to say about it. And it's about how he wants to speak to our hearts. So this is the final generosity talk for any of you that are now squirming. Um, We'll be back in John next week. But for now, we're going to jump around the Bible a bit. Unfortunately, I have been quite short on prep time this week, so I don't have slides. So if you've got your Bibles, feel free to turn to where I go, but I will read out the scriptures to us. Um, And I want to say just at the outset, uh, credit where it's due, a lot of the teachings from this morning is teaching that I've received previously from my previous pastor, Carl Martin. Um, I found it had a really profound impact on me and how I approached God and his father's heart for me and how that's impacted generosity as a result. So if that's helpful to any of you, I'd really happily point you in the direction of some of that stuff later. Um, I'm going to pray and we're going to open God's word together. Father, I thank you that your word is there to feed us and your spirit is here to lead us through it. We thank you that your word nourishes us, it challenges us, and it encourages us. We encounter you in your scriptures. So I pray, Holy Spirit, move amongst us. Awaken our hearts to what it is that you want to speak to us. We pray that you help just those specific bits of scripture that you want to speak to us through this morning to really stand out as we look at them. We pray that you will move in power and bring us transformation. We pray that where there are things that are in us that are still bound today, you will bring your freedom, you will bring your release, you will bring the breakthrough that only you bring, God. We want to have hearts that are in line with yours and stepping into all of the freedom that you want for us. So we pray, speak, Lord, the stuff that's just of me, blow away on the wind, but the stuff that is of you. Father, would you plant that stuff deep and grow it to something beautiful? Amen. So we're going to start our time today in Luke chapter 12, and Andrew brilliantly brought this passage to us yesterday at the staycation. I was like, yes, I heard the right thing. We're going in the right direction. Um, But here we meet a man who gets an opportunity in the audience of the saviour of the world. Jesus is in his presence. And I wonder if you were that man, what's the thing that you would ask him? What's the thing that you would want to say to Jesus? This guy goes an interesting room. And he basically says, I want you to help me sort out a problem I have with my brother because he's being a bit mean. And uh, it smacks a little bit of, mum, he's not sharing. So take that into this passage as we go. So the parable of the rich fool. I have a sneaking suspicion he might have regretted his heckling from the crowd once Jesus came back to him with this. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me judge or arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. 
Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. That's verse 15. I mean, that's sermon right there. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I've got no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I'll store up my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for years. Take it easy. Eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to the rest of your life? Since you can't do this very little thing, why would you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet, I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you'll eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, and no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And if we were to read this account from Matthew 6, after this, where your treasure is, your heart would be also we get another little, little phrase, and I think it's important to bring it with this one. And that is uh, verse 24 that says, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. Now this is a passage with wisdom for us about finding financial freedom for our hearts that life doesn't consist in an abundance of possessions. And right at the heart of this passage, it shows us the danger of self-reliance. It shows us the danger of being, well, if I can just earn it, I'll be secure, and then I'll be protected, and then I'll be validated by the things I've got, and people will have a good opinion of me. Only is that ever enough? In the end, we get racked with anxiety because actually all that pressure falls to us to provide 
Will I be enough to make life work? So Jesus points us to a different way. And he shows us that it's in God that we are secure. It's in him that we find our protection. It's in him that we find our identity as his dearly loved children. And that's the place we find our validation. The man's had an unexpectedly large harvest. He hadn't prepared for it. His storehouses weren't big enough for it. But rather than realizing that God had blessed him with more than enough, with plenty to be generous, he hoarded it. It was his. I, it's mine. I own it. I'm looking after number one. And Jesus goes on to show us that actually a correct perspective on who really owns the stuff is crucial. And you know, spoiler, it isn't us. <laughs> but God owns everything. He made it. He sustains it. Right at the very beginning of time, when we read in Genesis, you know, he met with Adam and Eve, and he talked to them and said, you know, here's all the stuff that I've made. But you guys get to steward it. You get to use it. You get to enjoy it. And humanity's not done that so well. We think we own it. We think we've earned it. We think it's mine. And that stewardship idea has moved to ownership. And that leaves us with a question. And that is, whose economy are we going to buy into? Whose authority are we going to stand the weight of our lives on? <laughs> I mean, the state of politics at the moment and what's going on. Our economy is in turmoil. But God has a kingdom economy that is safe and secure and full of hope for us. So Luke 12 warns us, be on your guard against coveting greed because it's going to destroy your heart. You know, think of the billions of pounds the advertising industry has invested and made out of convincing us that we need a whole bunch of stuff. Only that stuff can't provide us with the security and the comfort of God. We end up getting tricked into looking for it in the wrong places. Let's be open about none of us are immune to the lure of all that stuff. So this isn't a shame-inducing talk. It's just Jesus pointing us again that he's got a different way for us that he wants us to step into. Because Jesus says life, life doesn't consist of that stuff. It doesn't consist of an abundance of possessions. Because he knows if we're striving for that stuff, we're not striving for him. And in fact, the flow of the scriptures seems to be away from accumulation and towards simplicity. Because too much stuff is suffocating it will suffocate the kingdom life from us. Don't hear me wrong. It's not wrong to have things. But maybe if some of the things that you have are unhelpful to you, it might be wise to give some of that stuff away. If the rich young fool had only realized that the harvest was really God's and abundantly poured out and stewarded to him, I think his heart attitude would have been very different to what he did with it. If we trust God as our provider, we're not going to struggle to give back to him what is already his as we give it generously to others. It's so much easier to be open-handed with stuff when we see it as stuff that we're just holding for God that we can use for his kingdom. And on that subject, I want to take a little dip into Malachi, um, who was a prophet 
um, on this to- topic. If, if you are turning in your Bibles, it's, you're right at the end of the Old Testament. So if you've got to the Gospels and you've got to Matthew, you've gone too far. Um, Malachi 3, verse 10. I'm going to read to you. And it says this, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room, that, that room enough to store it. Doesn't that sound like the kind of lavish Father God we want to be around? But if we look back just a little bit in that passage, if we look back to verse 6, God says, I'm God and I don't change. I'm God, I'm true to all the promises of scripture about who I am. But what he says to the people is, you've turned away, return to me. Because God is always in the business of calling us back to him. He says, I'm the source of wisdom and love and purpose. Come back to me and find that stuff. And they say to God, well, how, verse 7, how do we return to you, God? And this is challenging. God says, stop robbing me. Pulls no punches. And I wrestled quite a lot about whether I brought this today, but I think it's a message that we need to hear from love from our Father. And people said, oh God, how are we robbing you? And God said, in your tithes and your offerings. Because he knows that they have fallen into the trap of following the wrong master when it came to which master are you going to serve? Is it going to be money or is it going to be God? They made the wrong call. They've picked the wrong ruler. They're both rulers, but only one of them is God. So he brings them this challenge. He says, return to me, return to me by doing the things I've asked of you. And in return, he offers us this blessing. So let's go back to verse 10. Bring the whole of the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room to store it all. We don't talk much about tithing, and some of you will be like, Eddie, it's the Anglican in you bringing this back to us on a morning, but I believe that this is a mechanism by which God actually brings us freedom in the way that we approach money and what he has given to us. We don't talk much about it, so let me describe this word to you because it might be an alien one. Put really simply, our tithe is the first 10% of what we've got. First 10% of our income, the first 10% of our time, the first 10% of how we're going to choose to apply our giftings. God says, give me that first 10%. I'll give you 100%. Give 10% back of that to me and to my kingdom. He could ask for 100, but he asks for 10. Because tithing is a way of saying, actually, God, I'm investing into your economy. I'm investing into your kingdom work. It's saying I'm going to put my treasure where my heart is, or at least where I want it to be. Because God knows the temptation of our hearts is to think that we can do it all on our own, and he knows that leads us to a bad place. Things aren't going to go so great for us. 
And he doesn't want us to carry the weight for all of that responsibility for financial security. But he's offering us an opportunity to make the first move. And it's a mechanism of choosing to declare that I'm going to trust in God that he's going to provide for us. It's a practical thing, but it unprizes our hands, and in doing so, it unprizes our hearts. I want to say, God doesn't need our money. God has all the resources of heaven, but he does really, really care about our hearts, and our attitude to money has a massive power to <clears throat> constrict everything that he wants to do in us because I think it's the biggest place that we turn from God because we turn to ourselves in another source of security. And when he gives to us, he says, give me the stuff from your first fruits. And that means the best. Give of me. Give to me from your best. Don't give to me from your leftovers. You know, um, if we invite you around for dinner, uh, I can guarantee that Gaz will go to the butcher's and buy an enormous amount, like far too much meat for us to possibly require. Um, but we, like, if, we, if we do dinner with you, we want to treat you and we want to host you and we'll make sides and we'll make puddings. And it, you know, if we're going to buy treat food that week, that is the meal that we are going to have the treat food for. We want to show that we want to invest in our friendship with you. Now imagine we'd done all that stuff and we'd bought the big food and we've made the pudding and we'd gone, some good looking food right there. Mm. You know what, that food looks really good. Kids, let's help ourselves. Right, we'll just tuck in, have whatever you guys want. You just tuck in, it is too good to leave this stuff. And then you rock up for dinner and you come and you knock on the door and we're like, it's really good to see, we need to sit down, we have just eaten a lot of food, but grab yourself a plate, there's leftovers in the fridge, you know, help yourself to what is left. What would you think? What would you think of us? But what would you think of your welcome? What would you think of the way that we had honoured you in that? How much worse is it when we do that stuff to God? When we say, well, I'm going to have for me and I'm going to do, and what's left, I will, you know, help yourself to. And this, this isn't a rule. It's not something we're going to enforce. I'm not going to be checking to see what you give or even if you have given. But I'm going to suggest that God has some serious work to do in our hearts as he teaches us to trust him and he shows us that he's good for that trust, that he will provide for us, that it's a mark of us going all in with him. You know, we're like, oh, yeah, in worship, oh, Jesus, we're all in. And you don't, don't look at this bit that I've held behind my back. I'll, I'll have this hand up because you can't have that bit. So I'm not sure how I do if I get rid of that. You know, he's not going to force himself on us, but he wants us to live free. And I think our resources and our finances are often a real sticking point. And that might be uncomfortable. So let's look back to why we should trust him. Let's head back to the end of Luke chapter 12 again. He says this, don't be afraid, little flock. God's offering you the kingdom. Why are we the little flock? Because he is the good shepherd. He's the one that cares for us, that provides for us, that leads us. He loves you. you know, God's got a soft spot for you. He's got a good plan for you that is better than the plan that you have for you. Even if our circumstances at the moment don't make us think that. He's the king of everything. 
He loves you deeply. And he's got all of the resources of heaven to pour out, to see his kingdom roll out in justice and in mercy and in love for the poor. And God doesn't tell us often to test him. In fact, he tells us the opposite quite often. He says, don't put the Lord your God to the test. But in Malachi, he says, test me. Test me on this. Why don't you see if it's true? He says, test me and see if you go your part if I don't bless you abundantly. So if you're regular family here, I'm going to suggest, why don't you start intentionally trying to honour God with your first 10%? your first 10% of how you intend to spend that day, your first 10% of how you're going to put your giftings to work, set them to kingdom things, your first 10% of your resources and your finances, investing them in how you feel God's prompting your heart to serve the poor and the vulnerable and to make his name known so that the lost come back into family. How are you investing your time and your resources And the next thing I'm going to say might bring Graham out in a cold sweat. But (laughs) I'm going to say, do that for nine months. Do that for nine months. Intentionally invest yourself. And if at the end of that nine months, you don't feel like you're walking in any greater blessing or any more freedom or any more intimacy with your Father God who loves you, And if you don't have any bigger connection to his plans and his purposes for where he has put you, and you don't have a deeper love for his creation, you can stop. You can cancel your direct debit or however you choose to give money. You can stop. But I believe that God is good for this, that God is abundant, and God will grow your heart and provide for you as you invest in others. He says, test him on it because he can be trusted. And he says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And if we want to be a passionate people that care about kingdom values and seeing love and mercy and the poor fed, our heart gets engaged when we engage our finances. If we engage our finances, we engage our time, our heart will be pretty quick to catch up. And if this isn't your church family and this Sunday has been awkward and a little bit weird for you, if you know Jesus, I pray you would seek the, the Holy Spirit to fill you and just say, you know, what, what if this is for me still? Where can I apply this? Where are you putting me to work? And if you don't know Jesus, then this Sunday has been even weirder for you and <laughs> has possibly confirmed lots of things that you think about the church because we've come and asked for money. Um, but we want you to know Jesus because we know that we have found life and freedom in him. We have found our companion through the hard times of life and our friend that celebrates in the joy of the good times of life. So I hope that in this you have seen some of his heart for his people and that that has been attractive to you. So what's God speaking to you this morning? What's the Holy Spirit stirring in you as to how you use your time and your resources? How's that going to be your act of worship to him? I love to sing with you as a church, but I love that your lives are about worship. How are we going to give generously? How are we going to see what he's put in our hands to sow into others with? 
And how are we going to be wise about seeing what things he's given just for us to enjoy and for us to be nourished? It's that word that Graham brought earlier about, you know, what's the bread that God's given you that is to nourish you, to sustain you, to give you joy? And what's the stuff he's given you that you can sow out for his kingdom? Our special offering is not about hitting numbers. It's an opportunity for our hearts to be moved by God and to find freedom. We don't want to end up serving money and putting our authority in what we earn or what we have or what we don't have. And I don't want to be flippant and say, you know, I don't really care. I don't really care what you give because that's not actually very honoring. But I do want to say, I, I trust that God is good for that money. I trust that God is for us, that he is the one that is building his church. And I trust that he will keep providing for us. And I genuinely believe a big chunk of that comes from who we are as a family. But if God wants us to have a building and have it as a base of mission, it, he's good for that money. I think he cares a lot more about your hearts. And that's what I want you to hear this morning. There's an ask for how you engage with money, but it's about wanting to make sure your hearts are in line with his. Um, in Mark chapter 12, it's a really short story, don't worry. Um, Jesus points out a woman to his disciples and she's come and she's just put two tiny little coins in the offering. And to the world it looks like nothing. You know, no one's probably even really noticed that she's done it. But Jesus draws attention to it just with his little, little gathering of friends around him, the ones that he wants to teach. And he says, you see that woman? She's given more than everybody else. And to the world, that looks really stupid because lots of really rich people have been coming and chucking a load in the offering. But actually, when it comes to heart attitude, he could see that her heart was engaged. It was all over. I want to do my bit to extend your kingdom. Um, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray a bit of scripture that I was going to bring, but I'm going to bring it in prayer instead. Um, from 1 Timothy. So I just encourage you, just ready your heart, see what the Spirit wants to speak over you and to you as we pray. Um, Father, I, I love that you <laughs> deal with all the real stuff of life. You deal with the practical stuff. Um, you deal with the stuff that our hearts need to engage in. Lord, I want to declare today that we trust you and we love you. And I pray in our hearts where there's bits of us that are like, I don't know how much I trust and I don't know how much I love I pray that you would free us from any shame from that and I pray that you would gift us the ability to love you more deeply and as we do that, trust you more fully. I thank you that you search us, you know us, you know every worry and every anxiety that's in our heart, you know the dirty stuff where there's greed or there's covetedness, you, you see it all and yet you love us completely and exactly as we are. You love us because you love us because you love us. <laughs> so help us hold that as we come before you, Lord. Holy Spirit, be speaking to us about what you've given us to sow and how we're to use that. We want to see your social justice roll out through us as your kingdom kids. We want to do our part in financing that with what you've given us. Before we pray, God, give us a, a spirit of generosity, convict our hearts, Help us to hear the challenges from 1 Timothy about the danger that money can get us into, the danger it, it, it can land us in when we start to love money more than you. 
when we arrogantly put our hope in wealth, which is uncertain. Point us back to you in your cross. Help us to find our hope in you instead, who richly provides everything we need, not just the basics. You say, I'll provide what you need for enjoyment, God. That's a wonderful promise. So don't let us get tricked into thinking that following you and being generous with you is also about just depriving ourselves because I don't believe that's your word for us either and I believe you want us to have enough for our needs but to be open-handed in giving you command us to do good deeds and be willing to be generous and share Father I pray that you put our, our confidence in you that you are um, building up a firm foundation for us to stand on that this is an investment for eternity. Father, I pray that you guard our hearts against the bad stuff money can do to us and you open our eyes to the wonderful things that money can do when it's entrusted to you. I pray that you help us walk into real freedom to live like this. I pray that you help us to see that we are sons and daughters of a heavenly Father that loves us beyond measure. I pray that you would help to keep bringing us back in gratitude. Like we prayed earlier, Lord, keep bringing us back in a place of gratitude for all that you have done and all that you will do. And I pray that that focus will take our eyes off what we haven't got and fix it on what we have. Lord, I pray if there's anxiety in this room about finances and we know that we are in a season where we just have to turn the news on and we feel anxious about the state of the nation's finances and our own. Lord, draw us back to that scripture where we see, you know, aren't we more, more important to you than the birds? <laughs> look how you look after them. Help us to trust you to provide for us. Help us to teach others to share. Help us to teach our kids to share. Help us to see that actually... Oh, God, we, we learn to share as kids and we grow up and we, we think that that's a stupid idea and we stop doing it so easily. Help us to learn that we were wiser when we were kids. <laughs> you say, come to us like little kids. Help us to learn that lesson, that sharing is important. God, teach us that this morning. Father, I pray what you're, what you're prodding in our hearts. We want to make room for. We want to feel you walking us into freedom. We don't want to feel restricted anymore. We don't want to feel fearful. We want to trust you for your provision, God. And Father, if I've said things this morning in an unhelpful way, or I've brought things that could be misunderstood, I pray, God, um, do all that stuff. Let that stuff just be blown away from people's memories. But I believe you've got something so important to speak to us about our hearts this morning. So God, take that stuff, grow it into something that blesses us in relationship with you and blesses your world as a result, because we... We love to be your kingdom kids. We love to partner with you in mission. We love that you are out there rolling out your kingdom and we can see it and we want to play our part in it. So I pray, Holy Spirit, make us wise in how to do that in a way that is joyful and generous and filled with all the good stuff of your kingdom and not out of compulsion or legalism, Lord. Heavenly Father, I lift all of this stuff to you. It's a long prayer probably didn't need all these words but I thank you that you hear them and I thank you that you promise what we lift to you you hear and you respond to and that our prayers do make a difference so we pray 
in the wonderful name of Jesus, you continue to stir our hearts with your love and that you will bring us transformation and that you will walk us into greater, greater freedom for your glory. Amen. Graham, do you want to come back? We've got about 10, 10 minutes to respond, so if God's putting something on your... Oh, oh no, thanks. <laughs> um, and my voice made it to the end. Um, we're going to pray and respond. Uh, we are going to respond with some sung worship. But if God's speaking to you, do business with that stuff. So often we can get a little bit distracted as we sing, but I encourage you, use this. We've got 10 minutes. Use this time well to invest with him. And over to you guys. Okay.